For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kirvin. And today we will be covering the big geopolitical stories of the week. But first, we have a clip to play for you guys from this month's Insightful Inquiries. So do you have that so we can share that before we get yeah, into so, geopolitical stuff? Yeah, yeah, before we get into the, the craziness mm-hmm. that's going on in the world, I will yeah. say that this is going to release on Sunday. It was the interview done with she says it's Alexa O'Brien she says she's a writer and an analyst she's a journalist she's an investigative journalist she is the subject matter expert on the Chelsea Manning case if you know I heard of that one yeah that one (laughs) that's quite a big case about 10 years ago she's the premier authority on the Chelsea Manning case she was the only journalist given access to Chelsea Manning oh wow that's Um, really cool in yeah just a, a very smart amazing person she also won the 2020 tropaya award in applied intelligence and that was for the best student while she was getting her master's at georgetown university so amazing very bright and here is the clip i want to say this because it's not sort of spoken in i think at depth enough and i'm not an expert on this but like even if you look at the way u.s began to fight wars in the gulf war era with air power you know, where we don't have boots on the ground and there's less of a political calculus. So we're more reliant on intelligence to some degree. But, you know, a lot of times when we're in the midst of these massive generational and socioeconomic and technological changes, we have this kind of like analytic flaw in our thinking, which is that things are going to be like they were during the Cold War and or, you know, all those things, I think, all those analytic, you know, flaws whether it's in foreign policy thinking and or I think more operational thinking within the military and in the intelligence community led to where we're at now. And one of the big problems I think we have as a society is not so much just our factionalism. It's more a matter of the fact that we don't really quite understand our landscape. So that sounds like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And it could have gone for four hours. (laughs) And you, it's also important to mention that you, you've said this to me in personal conversations that, you know, a lot of our previous uh, insightful inquiries, you agreed with a lot of the subject's opinions on matters and you welcome people listening to this because it's not quite the case in this one, right? Yeah, definitely. And I don't push back as much as I think some people that may agree with my, with what I say would hope Mm -hmm. that I would push back, but I was offering that no exactly and and we did have some discussions on journalists releasing sort of things within the intelligence community that i disagreed with that she agreed with and we had that conversation which is great and that's yeah that's important it's getting more and more difficult to have conversations with people that you don't agree with (laughs) yeah to have like to have like to have a a human conversation where it's not necessarily being taken 
to taken personally because a lot right. of people they seem to take opposite opinions personally and kind of throw it back in your face and tell you you're a bad person because you don't agree the way they do blah blah right. blah, blah so I, I love being able to have conversations with people that i don't necessarily agree with because you know what they are different they've been through different experiences from what i may have had and it's important to hear all those different perspectives because it can feed into your perception of things. Definitely. I believe that everybody's opinion should be based off of worldviews from across the world. So not just your particular worldview. And that's also an opinion that he has there, folks. Yeah, so that's That's also- an opinion. That's also an opinion. <laughs> Anyways, we have a lot to get to. Be sure to listen to the episodes coming out this Sunday. That's the third? No. Fourth? The fifth. Oh my gosh. Woof. This calendar yeah, is all blending together. I can't believe we're already in March. <laughs> we yeah, I know. I was just about to say that. We are in March, guys. We're in March. That is insane. And the last couple months have been crazy, so it doesn't look like it's calming down. So let's just let's just get into it. Well, let's see. Let's see if it's gonna calm down. Let's see what we're gonna <laughs> talk about. <laughs> What's on your radar, Kervin? All right, we're getting into Russia, Ukraine. That hasn't calmed down. Also, Putin officially signed the bill to end the START treaty. Mm. We're going to get into protests within Moldova and the geopolitical Im implications of those protests. Activists, anti-government activists destroyed a military, a Russian military aircraft in Belarus. Some good news, hopefully, Serbia and Kosovo. I know you are very happy about this. Very pumped. Yeah, Serbia and Kosovo have moved to normalize relations between those two demographics. Then we're going to get into not-so-good news about how China and Belarus are solidifying relations. We are going to talk about U.S. and South Korean exercises that continue to be planned, even though North Korea says that's a provocation. <laughs> and they think that what they've been doing isn't a provocation? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll right. talk, And we'll talk about that. And finally, we're going to have the little COVID-19 blurb at the bottom of this podcast because we're going to talk about the lab leak theory. Oh, you mean that theory that they kind of brought up at the beginning of COVID, but then no one actually wanted to yes, talk about it? Yes, that's the theory. Oh, yeah. And so oh, yeah, I, yeah. I will say that we're talking about this because it is based off of intelligence analysis between different mm -hmm. intelligence communities. From different countries? Well, just from the U.S. Oh, right. This will be a U.S.-focused. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I think it should have been a little bit more well-rounded than that, than just us <laughs> saying, <laughs> what we said to begin with is what happened. <laughs> I agree. I'm just not seeing any information from other countries. So okay, so it's, port import oh, it's important. It's important to yes. preface that one with the fact that it is just... The U.S.'s, yep, the U.S.'s uh, analysis of this. Okay, cool. Just wanted to clarify that. I appreciate it. Also, I forgot to mention before we started listing off the things we were going to talk about. I wanted to apologize for all the terrible noise in the background of last week's podcast because I was moving my microphone constantly, not realizing that it was making all that noise, and it annoyed me too when I listened to the episode. So. <laughs> Hey, look Sorry, at that. Guys. Sienna listens to the episodes too. No, that yeah. was, I just happened to do it because I felt off about it because I was moving the microphone <laughs> so much. And I listened to it hoping 
that I wouldn't hear all the microphone noises, and I did. It yeah. was literally the only thing I heard the entire It's just itself when in post, whenever we're talking and the mic's moving, but you're all set up now, ready to go. Yeah, I'm not touching this thing. It's not <laughs> anywhere. All right, so what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? All right, 12 minutes in, we're getting into the geopolitical stuff, so... Uh, <laughs> well, all right. Big, big news coming out. Well, the most recent news right now, and that is happening March 2nd while we're recording this, is that Russian officials have claimed a Ukrainian sabotage group had crossed into southern Russia and opened fire on the community in southern Russia. And that has led to the death of one person and the injury of a child. Oh, no. That's so, sad. Now, the Russian military claimed it was taking necessary measures to, quote, eliminate the group. <sighs> and Russian President Vladimir Putin labeled the alleged attackers as neo-Nazis and terrorists right. who were actually targeting civilians. So what has Ukraine said about those attacks? Well, Ukrainian officials dismissed the accusations that this was a deliberate provocation, also saying this was not neo-Nazis or terrorists. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's what they're going to say. That's what he's always called them from the start. Right. right. Putin, um, I mean, Putin's that, always yeah. referred to. I was just saying that to clarify for people who may not have known, because sometimes I can come in with half of a thought. <laughs> and, and I will also I, say, And it'll, it'll be clear for us, which I already said, you know, mentioned this to you. You know yeah. me, so you know if I don't finish a sentence, you 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 know what I'm trying to say. And you'll accept yep. it as, yes, you agree with it, but other people may not understand what I'm referring to. So I'm trying to be more mindful of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So honestly, take you know, take that. that I'm not going to cut you off anymore so that you can finish your statements and it's add, that. I add more clarity. I'm saying. I just, I don't know, space out, distracted, disassociate, all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, it's not about me. I will say that the Ukrainians are calling this a false flag operation. Oh, okay. From Russia, and it's uh, they say it's to cause unease among Russians, which would be able to drum up support for the war effort. Now, either way, this incident, which did occur, depending on who actually did it, it did occur, and it could have very significant geopolitical implications and actually exacerbate tensions between Russia and Ukraine. I'm sure Putin isn't too happy about this. Yeah. You nailed it, but you, you're you inside Putin's head. We all know that. But he actually might be happy about this, because if it was actually Ukraine or it's a false or if it's a false flag thing, he's trying to manipulate the narrative around it. So, But publicly. Well, yeah, publicly. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. I was just thinking actually in real life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, when I say publicly, it usually means that it's not the truth. It's, okay. it's what you're saying publicly. Okay, okay. I just want to, yeah. Yeah, so okay. he's actually convened on March 2nd while we're recording mm -hmm. this. He convened an emergency meeting of the Security Council of the Russian Federation. And what was said there? So I'm still piecing all the information together. But I will say from what I've seen so far, it's likely Putin has called for more security along the border and also to ramp up those offensive operations within Ukraine. Well, speaking of Putin, he officially signed the bill to end the START treaty this week. What can you tell us about that? Yes, yeah, so just like you said, he signed the bill, 
suspending the last remaining, this is the last remaining nuclear arms treaty that we have across mm. the globe. Oh, I feel so safe right now. Right. Like we talked about last week, he verbally declared that they were going to suspend the START treaty. Right. He cited concerns over U.S. inspections of Russian nuclear sites. And didn't waste any time. Yeah, didn't waste any time signing it. Yeah. He also accused the U.S. and NATO of seeking to defeat Russia in Ukraine. Well, Putin, yeah, that's what... Duh! Yeah. <laughs> you can't Duh. be mad about that. It's no. just... That's what not war everybody, is. Not everybody, everybody believes your whole, this is... This is a mission. Special military operation. The the special military operation to maintain the sovereignty of Russia, native Russian lands. Right. Which if we get into native, how far back are we going? But this. In that case, we need to kick everybody out of here. All the people need to kick everybody out of here. (laughs) If we're going back to the time period that he's going by. We need to kick everyone out. Yes. The map's going to look a lot different if we're going back to the, like, 1500s. Just browns everywhere. Yeah. Just yeah. brown people all over. And that the is... The Americas, definitely. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah. about the Native Americans that were here first, you know? <laughs> or the first Americans. I found a picture of my mom in her first American club in college the other day. And it- oh, so... Sorry, when you showed me that, it didn't click in my head, first Americans. Yeah. It didn't. That's white person thinking. It didn't even click, like, first Americans. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, she's Uh, the president of the first American club in her college. Her very small, it was weird that it was such a small first American club, considering it was a college in Oklahoma, but. Yeah. Where okay. all the first Americans were all the first, Christian. Well, a lot of first, yeah, a lot of first first Americans were shoved on the little. All right, we are going. On well, let's go back to uh, talking. Oh, for us. Sorry, let's bring it back around. Let's go back <laughs> to so talking about Josh what and Jacob. You'll definitely take this clip, talk to it on your podcast. Oh my god, you can have a lot of conversations about this. But let's get back to Russia, Ukraine, Ugh. and the uh, the stop of the START treaty. Stop of the start treaty. (laughs) I will say this suspension of the start treaty is going to lead to a further straining of relations between the U.S. and Russia. That's obvious, right? Yeah. It's also, this could also lead to a new new arms race. And I'm not even talking about Russia-U.S. arms race. I'm talking globally. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you believe Putin, I don't. He has said that Russia is not withdrawing from the START treaty altogether. They are they just don't want to include the United States in that because the United States is the problem. Mm, right. I will say I don't. My opinion is I don't think he has shown any reason to believe what he says. So we've got to start watching how he acts. When we talk about how he acts, this comes at a very tense time. It comes at a time when Putin could be debating the pros and cons of actually using a tactical nuke in Ukraine. All right, so the nuclear roller coaster is going to continue on the globe. So let's move to the protests in Moldova. What are people protesting? And is this part of Russia's plan to cause a rift within the Moldovan government that may lead to a pro-Russian coup? I mean, I know people 
in Moldova, and they are not for this Russian BS. Yes. For sure. I, we I, could I, say that without saying names. Yeah, without saying that. Personally, I know people in Moldova, and yeah, so just saying. So like they you said. Everybody I know, they don't want this. Right. <laughs> and that's people who we know, but this week, well, you know personally, but this week, protesters- You never met them? No, I, I, okay. I didn't meet them. Okay. I hope to one day. But yeah, this week, protesters in Moldova took to the streets. They demanded the country's pro-Western government fully subsidize citizens' winter energy bills. Hmm. They also asked to not involve the Moldovan country in war. Mm-hmm. What we know is the protest was organized by a group calling itself Movement for the People, which is supported by members of Moldova's pro-Russia shore party. Um, they actually hold six seats in the country's 101-seat legislature. So what do you know about the Shore Party's relationship with Russia? Well, they've been accused of being financed by Russia. Moldovan President Sandu claimed that actually they were using the Shore Party to plot and overthrow the Moldovan government. They were relying very heavily on that party to do that. To me, it's interesting that protesters are asking the government to subsidize winter energy bills. But that, on the surface, seems like something that anyone would request, especially in light of the sanctions on Russian oil and gas that's causing high energy prices to increase even yeah. more. Already, like you said, already high energy prices increasing even more. Right. And it is, you know, that's very true what you say. But it's also true, I think, that from what I have seen, Russia is using this group to sow discord in Moldova. And the, what they're asking for suggests that Moscow is trying to exacerbate Moldova's energy crisis in order to further destabilize the country. Right. I will say to remain fair to what is being said publicly, Russia has strongly denied these allegations. However, the recent protests certainly suggest that there's some truth to the allegations of Russian involvement. And how do you see these actions within Moldova? Well, overall, it seems that Russia is trying to undermine Moldova's pro-Western government in order to maintain its influence in the country. So the recent protests are just one example of this, and I would say it's likely we're going to see more attempts to destabilize Moldova in the future. So what other plans could Russia have to further destabilize Moldova? So there's several other ways that Russia could potentially seek to destabilize Moldova. One possibility is through cyber attacks. So Russia right. does have a long history of using cyber tactics to interfere in the politics of other countries. Um, another prop possibility is through economic pressure. They could reduce energy supplies or implement trade restrictions so that redu reduction of energy supplies would further exacerbate the protests or the, the what the protests are calling for. Yeah. Russia could also seek to increase its military presence in the region, most notably along the border of Transnistria, which actually could even escalate tensions more and potentially lead to a conflict. Well, we will definitely keep an eye on the activities going on within Moldova. But since we talked about protesters causing havoc in one country, let's move to another country dealing with anti-government actors. What the heck happened in Belarus this week, and why do you think it's so significant? So here's what happened. A group of anti-Belarusian militants 
destroyed a Russian A-50 mainstay aircraft. That oh. aircraft is a key component of Russia's air capabilities. It provides crucial early warning and surveillance for the country. It's, a, it's what's called an early warning and control aircraft that provides advanced radar coverage. Oh, okay. So this allows for the detection of airborne and maritime targets at long ranges. It's also capable of directing fighters like fighter aircraft and attack aircraft to engage targets long range. Okay. So losing one of these aircraft is actually a significant setback for Russia. It's going to reduce their ability to conduct air operations. It'll reduce their ability to provide early warning of incoming threats. Also, that the destruction of the aircraft could have broader implications for Russia's military operations in the region. You know, Belarus borders Ukraine as well. And so as Russia is going through this conflict in Ukraine that, yes, they started, but Belarus is actually thinking about getting involved in. This could help push them to get involved. So was this a false flag operation? I mean, you know, something that may get Belarus involved militarily in Ukraine. Great. That's a good question. In this case, the Belarusian anti-government group actually claimed responsibility for the attack. Uh, there's also no currently no evidence to suggest it was a false flag operation. But let me say this. It's also possible that the group received support or assistance from another state actor not Belarus, not Russia, could be some foreign intelligence agency somewhere in West Europe, maybe even the United States, to oh. carry out the attack. So if that were the case, it would mean a country outside of Russia or Belarus is attempting to find a path into the conflict in Ukraine. Are you saying that it could be a Western Europe or pro-Ukrainian false flag? I'm just saying that anything is possible. Oh, my God. But I will also say, do do the research, but the facts so far do not lead us down the path of a false flag operation. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well, from false flag operations to normalizing relations. Good news out of Serbia and Kosovo this week, right? Yeah, so Serbia and Kosovo are actually expected to endorse a deal to normalize strained relations. And this is despite Russia's efforts to meddle in the process. So what is in the proposal? So it, it includes mutual recognition of official documents, both Serbia and Kosovo documents, and also increased financial aid for both groups. It calls for the European Union to regularly report on the progress of this agreement. And like, like we've both mentioned, this is very good news for yeah. the two groups. I will say also that the most contentious issue is the planned association of Serbian-majority municipalities in Kosovo. The main cause of the conflict within Kosovo and between Serbian nationals is a direct result of the relations between Kosovo officials and those Serbian-majority communities. Well, fingers crossed that that gets worked on. Does this show a waning in the influence of Russia in the region? That's, that's the question, right? Because this well, is a... Or maybe Serbia and Kosovo are just realizing fighting's not worth it anymore. I mean, I would hope that's the case. Can we all just I... agree to that? Yeah. Um, we can still get along even though we don't agree. Exactly. Um, and it's, this is <laughs> Obviously. a... Obviously. 
this is a region that Russia was attempting to cause unrest within. Yeah. You know, so they could take over. But I will say, honestly, over the last year, Russia did itself no favors when it invaded Ukraine. Oh. So before that, the Serbs were very much aligned with Russia. But you've got to think of it from their perspective. They're dealing with their own issue on borders and sovereignty. Right. So that's what Ukraine's talking about. Sovereignty, borders. So they actually made a surprisingly strong statement last year condemning Russia Mm-hmm. And they supported Ukraine in their sovereignty. So I believe, yes, it's my opinion, this is proof that Russia's influence is waning in some parts of Eastern Europe, but it is increasing its influence in, in countries like Belarus, Iran, and China. So there is a perfect segue into China and Belarus relations. The president of China, the presidents of China and Belarus came together this week to solidify their relations. So what came out of that? Well, the two leaders did, in fact, agree to deepen their defense and security ties. They also expressed shared views on the war in Ukraine. Well, can you elaborate on those shared issues in Ukraine? Well, let's see. The the Belarusian leader, Lukashenko, he endorsed China's recent position on what they call a political solution to the conflict in Ukraine. He was referring to a statement released by Beijing last week calling for peace talks to end the conflict. But when they released the statement, there was no cause for Russia to withdraw from Ukraine. So this suggests that both China and Belarus view the conflict in Ukraine as as part of a, I would say, a broader geopolitical struggle against what they would view as their adversary, which is Western influence. But also, China's not going to say, no, you can't invade other little countries that may have proclaimed their... Independence. And proclaim their independence. Like, because that's what they want to do. They want Taiwan back. So, of course, they're not going to say Russia did the wrong thing. (laughs) Look at the big brain on Brad. Sometimes (laughs) when you're married to a guy who doesn't tell... You've, I don't know. Had this conversation every night for three hours. talk about it all the time. Make him stop. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's not true. (laughs) I'm always willing to talk about this stuff. So they are sticking with Russia during this conflict, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I don't see that changing. And I will say the first country is going to, the first country to go against Russia is going to be China, not Belarus. Because Lukashenko loves Putin. Well, that's because they're smaller than Russia and kind of they need that to be bolstered by a larger country like Russia. China is obviously just kind of seeing where things go. That's why they have the luxury of not being clear on where they stand because honestly, they're just sitting here observing things right now. Positioning themselves to be the next superpower. Because they're already pretty you know you said they have the second largest yep. economy okay so they, they're in a pretty good standing right now as far as the global stage goes so of course they don't need to be clear on anything right now second largest economy second best military yeah are we still the first best military yeah there's another me. one yeah well yeah <laughs> yes the, yeah, the, the, the u.s is still considered globally as the best military 
wow. Now, as far as size goes... Not so much I right now, especially. I haven't looked huh? at it in a few months, but I think yes, it was China's the largest military. Yeah, recruiting numbers are dropping on this side. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and that's just, you know, that's just because in countries like China, like South, like all the Korean countries, you have, you have to... Mand- yeah, mandatory conscription. We don't and have we that don't... in anymore in the U.S. Yeah, but we will force you into it if we get into a conflict. And we'll force you to stay in it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so, speaking of the U.S. military. <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's get right into the U.S. topics. Starting with joint exercises planned with South Korea, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has stated any more exercises between the U.S. or other nations in the region threaten to turn the peninsula into a more critical war zone. So are we about to see major conflict on the Korean peninsula? Let me first start. Like you said, the United States, South Korea conducted a joint air exercise. To me, this was an attempt to show off some of the latest warplanes over the seas and on the Korean peninsula mm-hmm. or west of the Korean peninsula. South Korean military stated, actually, that the aim of the exercise was to, I'll quote them here, strengthen joint drills to have strong response capabilities and readiness against North Korea's nuclear and military threats. Like I said, I see the exercises as a show of force in response to North Korea's growing nuclear and missile threats. Now, the exercise could escalate tensions on the Korean peninsula. That is a possibility. But even though that may happen, the U.S. and South Korea are likely to continue conducting joint drills. And that's because they want to maintain their readiness and capabilities against that potential threat from North Korea. But you asked, will this cause a conflict on the Korean peninsula? I'll say right now, anything is possible. And it's also worth noting that there have been periods like this of increased tension in the past. Right. In 2017... North Korea conducted a series of missile tests and threatened to strike the U.S. territory of Guam. That would have been a huge provocation. But those threats fell flat and, you know, war was avoided. All right. Well, let's move on to what may have been the biggest news from the U.S. this week. After three years of speculation, one U.S. government agency's intelligence department and the FBI have concluded that COVID-19 likely leaked from a lab that worked on coronaviruses. Yeah, so I want to say this. Since we've heard this, you know. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about COVID. Yeah. Uh, Let's get a little tag at the bottom here. COVID-19, blah, 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 blah. But. Yeah. I'm only we're going to only present facts here. Yeah, we're um, not even going to bring our opinions into this nope. cuz it's stupid to we don't know. So, I'm going to say I think the discussion should start by explaining how intelligence analysis works. That gives that gets us to how multiple analysts or agencies can have different opinions. Okay. And then we can talk about where that leads us in identifying where COVID-19 came from. I'm going to be I want to say this at the top. I want to be very clear at the top. COVID-19 changed the world forever, regardless of where it came from. So we're we are forever impacted by what is now, in my opinion, and we talked about this early on, it's an endemic disease. Oh. Meaning it's here forever. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I I've never heard of that word before. So Yeah, we we go from I forget what the original what 
originally when it's one country dealing with it, then you globally it's a pandemic. Yeah. Then whenever there's no, just keep it like a flu. It, it's like the in, flu. Yeah, the flu is endemic. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying. And as we personally have lost multiple people yeah. to COVID, so f that stuff. <laughs> yes. And we've caught it multiple times, regardless of us getting our vaccine. So there's that too. <laughs> that is a which good is start. no talk about whether you should get the vaccine or no, not. That no, no, is no, 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 no. Conversation you and your doctor should have. Yeah, exactly. Do- oh, that did sound like I was implying that we shouldn't have gotten the vaccine. I am grateful I got the vaccine. Honestly, My- personally, I don't give a crap if you got it or not. I am grateful I got it because it kept. My dad around for another year. Yep. And it it took it saved a lot of people that we're close with that we didn't want to, you know, give the illness to. So, you know, whatever. It's all on you, but I'm just saying we still got it, even though we had it. Yeah. Had the vaccine. It's endemic. Yeah. So it's not going anywhere. Yep. And that's probably why we have to get boosters every year now. Yeah. Like you do for the flu. <laughs> like the flu. Exactly. Ding ding ding! We got it now. We made we made the connection. Yes. I knew eventually we'd get we'd get there. It just took a little while. So, can you first just explain the recent disclosure so that everyone knows what we're talking about? Yeah, so that we're not looking like conspiracy theorists. It's good. So the the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Intelligence and Counterintelligence. Yes, the U.S. Department of Energy does have an Office of Intelligence. I was about to be. I was about to be like, what? I mean, you think about inter- the the Department of Energy. It's an infrastructure department. You need an intelligence and counterintelligence office to fight back against cyber attacks. Um, anything that has nothing to do with COVID. So right, but they came out in in their analysis. Right. They stated that the lab leak theory was the most likely cause of the release mm-hmm. of COVID-19. And they did caveat that with the statement that this is done with low confidence. Then why did they? I don't even understand why they released it. If it's got low confidence, it's like they just want to fan the flames of conspiracies or something. Well, let me let me go on. It's a great. Okay. That's a great question that yeah. you've you've come up with. Okay. And it is something I'm very passionate about. Why even release it? It's Why? very confident. Yeah. Uh, but when you discuss intelligence analysis and and how we reach certain conclusions within the intelligence community, let me say first, every agency has different confidence markers. So in the one that the Department of Energy uses, they use a low, medium to high confidence or confidence indicator. Okay. I use a doubtful possible probable confidence indicator when making analysis and identifying my confidence levels. So why do you differ from most agencies? Who do you think you are? Right. Besides the fact I think I'm better than everybody else, (laughs) which is not true at all. (laughs) No, it's not. I just think that, so for what I do, it's on the civilian market. So when discussing my analysis with the civilian consumer, it's I believe that it's best to use terminology that we're all familiar with. Yeah, you're right. So like this case, let's say I put the COVID-19 lab leak theory at a possible. Okay. So what does that mean? That means I'm at a 20 to 49% confidence level the disease leaked from a lab. 
So where do you put the natural animal to human transfer theory? Interestingly enough, I also have that as possible, which is in that 20 to 49% range. Okay. I'm also going to say that I'm not privy to the classified information that these agencies have. Yeah. So I can't get to problem. I cannot get above 50% on any theory because I don't have all the information. So until they release that information, I can't change my confidence level. Right. But to me, both theories are logical. So what about the bioweapon? That I will say I'm at doubtful, even though I harp a lot on the Chinese government and things like that. But why would they want to kill their own people? Kind right. of things? There's, exactly. There yeah. is no information. They've killed their economy, their people. There's no information that I have seen that leads to that as the most likely scenario. Now, now yeah. that's a and key. All the I want protests to use... and stuff. Yes. And Obviously. I want to keep that keyword likely in there. So it doesn't mean that I think that is the scenario or it's not the scenario. We're talking about confidence levels and likely. But like we're talking about, if that level were true, also the information would be highly classified. So I wouldn't see it anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which I couldn't get to even a possible level until I see that. Right. I do want to make very clear recent reporting about the lab leak theory is it's why it's important to understand when reporting on information from intelligence agencies, you've got to state those caveats. The main caveat being what level of confidence is a particular analysis given? So in the case of the recent COVID-19 lab leak disclosure, it was a low confidence level. Okay. But when it was reported, this was the headline. Intelligence shows COVID-19 most likely originated from a lab. You see that headline, and if that's all you read, that's what you tell people. Literally all I've seen is that headline without any caveat attached to it. So how is that possible? How is it possible that low confidence intelligence analysis can lead to a most likely scenario? And it's simple. An intelligence agency can say with low confidence, their analysis is the most likely. So if you think about it, Four different scenarios. Well, let's group these as not likely, not likely, low confidence, low confidence. Okay, that last low confidence we think is the most likely because even though it's low confidence, it is the most we are confident that this theory. (laughs) Like, I still don't understand why they released it at all. They could have waited until they had more firm information. They definitely could. But you know what? This was done to make headlines. Yeah, and to obviously sway people in regards to China's stance in Ukraine as well. Like, yep. why release that right now? So, exactly. Anyways, I mean, the lab leak theory has become a politically divisive issue, and I'm sure, well, I know that China is not too happy with the release of this analysis, especially so close to their whole weather balloon debacle. Yeah, to use, the intelligence I put, analysis. I put weather balloon in quotes, but you guys yeah. can't see. I, I do finger, I'm doing finger quotes right now. And you bring up a great point. So China publicly stated that the release of this information could cause a rise in tensions. That's already at a tipping point because of the quote unquote weather balloon, which we know is a, is a spy balloon based off of what it looked like and sort of the technology we took off of it. The payload? The payload, yes. But the way I see it, 
the, the lack of conclusive evidence about the virus's origin and China's lack of cooperation actually could undermine the efforts to prevent future pandemics, and it actually hinders global public health cooperation. So this is both a health issue and a national security issue. Well, do you think that more investigations need to be done? A hundred percent. Definitely. Don't take any of this information at face value. Don't take what we say at face value. They know not to do that. Right. Also, don't our take listeners what, know not to listen. <laughs> don't take what China says at face value. I would like to see China get involved in the investigation and open right. up their sites to investigators from across the globe. I would like a diverse group of investigators from all countries around the globe. Right. But I'm, you know, right. China's got nothing to hide, right? I'm sure no country's government has anything to hide at all. Not Very a single true. one on the planet. They're all angel babies yes just trying to do the best they can this is proven through history yeah throughout history you have never seen a government fail ever what does the pre-production say here be very sarcastic yes yeah it does does say that actually it does so do you have anything else you would like to discuss this week though well after that we are Honestly, out of time, yeah. Yeah, we took way longer than we anticipated. So thank you for listening, if you're still listening to us at this point, because we kind of went all over the place this week. But as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review, because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And it has. So y'all can (laughs) stop now. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakwood Analytics. And I will say that I do hear from you guys that you do tell people mm-hmm. about this show. We we really do appreciate it. Despite we do. me acting like I hate it, I'm just happy seeing. I, I, I'm I love, happy. I like seeing the host be happy. I love to see that when people have geopolitical conversations, this is the podcast that they tell me they send to those people they're debating with so okay y'all can y'all don't have to do that anymore it's fine and i after hearing tiana say that i do want to also (laughs) say tiana thank you so very much for always coming on here and and providing your insights and providing the questions that everybody's asking and making sure you're reminding everyone that you have social anxiety and don't actually (laughs) yeah don't forget to tell them about that if you don't, I don't have to. I think my mannerisms have shown that enough. <laughs> and if you don't see us at conferences and, and speaking engagements, there you know why. I mean, you're not going to see me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you might see him. He likes hearing himself talk. And as I always say, until next week, stay safe out there.